Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Hola amigos, we're not in Spain, but it's close enough. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other of the co-hosts. Today we watched the 19th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders, uh, entitled Death 13 Part 1. That's a lot of numbers. Sure is. Yeah. It covers chapters 168 through 170 of the manga. That's... Three chapters. That sure is, buckaroo. That's average. Hooray! <laughs> wrong with Confetti, us. balloons, <laughs> sirens. That's our word of the day. Walk, walk, walk. No, no, it would just be like, that's our word of the day. Now go about business because today's an average day. Yeah. There's nothing unusual about today. I kind of want to get one of those word of the day calendars. What, the one where you, like, flick it up and... That, that is kind of white school if it's a page a day, though, I guess. I get a digital one, I expect. Well, I had, um... I have a Dilbert calendar that my mum got me. Oh, don't worry. It really I mean, helps out on bad days with engineering. You know you know about, like, Scott Adams. Though, oh, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how he's just against the internet. <laughs> he's against anything good in the world, basically. Sure, sure, yeah. But we got this Dilbert calendar, and I just used the back of it for note-taking. Ah. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so much more useful than actually knowing what day it is. <laughs> Who needs to know that? So, Nick. Yes. I want to just open this episode with some words of wisdom from our man, author of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and artist, Hirohiko Araki. Praise be to his bizarre, bizarre ways. Let me just pull up the page because I forgot <laughs> to do that. Here at JoJo's World, we are prepared and professional. Here we go. I feel like this is mistranslated because it starts, Is it important to keep the mentality of a beginner, whatever the field? Full stop. No, that's. I think good. they mean it is important to keep the mentality of a beginner, whatever the field. No, no. Everything seems new for a beginner. He respects his predecessors and goes straight to his objective. This is an ideal state of mind. But lately, I have realised that among the mangaka publishing at Jump, there are already six. Or, they are already six or seven years younger than me. I am not a newcomer anymore. To be continued in volume twenty-three. That is from volume six. The um. First volume of... Did you say volume 23? Yes, I think there's a, a discrepancy between the collections they collected in the original publishing. Oh my god. I think it means volume 23 of Jump, as opposed to volume <sighs> 23 of JJB collection volumes. I was going to say, because if it had to wait until volume 23 yeah. to get off that cliffhanger... <laughs> Jesus! No, uh, that is from volume 6, the first volume of Battle Tendency. Ah... Interesting. So he's no longer a beginner. No, he's put aside his childish things and just got a whole new collection of childish things. <laughs> he now has a Joseph to contend with. Yes. The most, possi possibly the most childish of the Jojos. Yeah. Though I can think of a couple of others that give him a run for his money. Oh, oh, interesting. The childish ways pass through the bloodline. So, Death 13. What a name. We open with a shot of Kakuin in a black, black void, sleeping. We see his upper torso, so we can only assume that his lower torso was covered by blankets and stuff. He's in pajamas, not his. I like his jammies. They're sort of purple, and they have like a really popped collar. They do. It's like an enormous collar. <laughs> yeah, it's the sort of collar that would really get in your way when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it's kind of like a really formal set of pajamas. I feel like if you wanted to, you could unfold the collar, and then it would nicely cover your eyes and block out any light while you were sleeping. You mean like one of those um. I I really want to get one of those sleep masks. I like perfect darkness when I sleep. <laughs> I really don't want to have the sun bearing down on my eyes at any point during the night. <laughs> I pointedly turn off all the electronic devices in my bedroom, so none of their standby lights give me any light. I board under my door because I hate seeing that little, like, smidgen of light come underneath. Do you? I don't know. Uh, oh, you don't? Okay, you're not what, like me. 
Wait, so, I do actually have complete darkness yeah. in your room. Oh, Sometimes God. I also, um, if I'm if it's winter time, I and I it's not too cold, I will take off my shirt yeah. and use the long sleeve of my winter pajama shirt and lay it over my eyes. What? What? I'm sorry. To are you a ninja? Perfect darkness. Are you, are you some kind of fucking ninja in training? <laughs> You're just like I need to sleep in perfect darkness, <laughs> just in case I become it. Otherwise, it just doesn't feel restful. Okay, alright, sure. So Kakyoin is sleeping in perfect darkness. He's sleeping in perfect darkness. But it's not perfectly quiet darkness because there's a baby's cry disturbing him. Wah. Wah. That's what a baby's cry sounds like. Wah, motherfucker. I mean, I wouldn't put that kind of language past this particular baby. Yeah, true. He, he pseudo wakes up. Pseudo? He's, you know, he, he becomes aware of his surroundings. He becomes lucid. But it's all a dream. He's lucid dreaming. He's literally lucid dreaming. Yeah. Oh, damn. He's in a creepy abandoned amusement park. Mm-hmm. It's creepy in its abandonment, but its actual design is quite merry. Well. Any I... amusement park is creepy if you're the only person there. Particularly <laughs> if the rides are running and there's no one operating them. I like how vehemently you tried to just be like, Nick, Nick, any amusement park is creepy if there's no one there. You know, it's like going into Chernobyl and being like, well... This has an air of macabre interest. Well, no, to I it. think I think an abandoned, crumbling amusement park is less creepy than one that is bright and lit and operating itself despite no one being there. Hang on, hang on a minute. How many people would it take before it became not creepy? At least people operating the rides that are functioning, because then you could okay. just say it's a slow day. <laughs> you just walk up somewhere you're like, "There's no one here." Yeah, you're the only one to. You know, it's the off season. Uh, look, we're, we're willing to just, like, you know, charge about $30,000 extra for you. Okay, so just, you know, get on. You can always go on, it's a small world. The Hall of Presidents is open for business. Just, just, it's a small world, you say? It's a small world? Anyway, um, yes, Kakuin's in this abandoned amusement park, and then, <gasps> movement next to him, there's a dog! He oh. sort of absentmindedly pats him, and is like, this is a strange situation. I'm on a dog. On a I'm Ferris on a wheel. dog. I'm on a dog on a, in a Ferris wheel. I'm in a dog on a Ferris wheel. Something's wrong. I'm sure we were travelling through Saudi Arabia on camels. Now that he says it out loud, it does sound a little bit weird. Yeah. Almost bizarre. He's patting the... It's like a, it looks like a kind of a, a Labrador or a... A, a black lab. A brown. brown. Uh, which is a breed of Labrador. Yeah, brown lab. <laughs> <laughs> or, or some similar dog like that. Some sort of sheepdog type thing. Mm, some kind of herding animal. He's patting it. It's fine. It's a bit creepy, but the dog's there. That's reassuring. Interestingly... I desperately wanted to find a picture of this to show you, but I just couldn't find one today. I'm pretty sure I've seen it before, though. Mm. Uh, in the original um, Viz Media publisher releases of the Part 3 manga, yep. because they didn't want to kill another dog, they just replaced it with a huge rat. <laughs> so Kakuin wakes up and is like, oh, look at this big rat. What? I assume he still pats it. <laughs> Okay. So then later when the dog dies and the kid finds it, he's not crying because his beloved dog is dead. He's crying because, oh, look at this huge, gross, dead rat. Oh, no. I genuinely thought that, because this is obviously a dream, right? Mm. I genuinely thought, oh, look, there's a dog here. And he starts patting and I thought, maybe the dog is Joseph and he doesn't know it yet. (laughs) Symbolically? Yeah. So it's like... What happens is he would start panning it and literally it would be in Joseph's dream. He's getting patted by this <laughs> giant Kakuine figure or something. All right. But obviously that was not to be. No. It's just a dog. Don't worry. Ferris wheels, huh? Ferris wheels take you quite high. But slowly and not very exciting. Unless you have a sweet lady by your yeah, side. Yeah, unless you've got a sweet date 
and you're having a rom- romance times and you've got a view. Uh, and your hand slips under and then, what do you know? There's a lollipop under the seat. There was a memory palace about the creation of the first Ferris wheel and it's, I think it's really a really interesting and kind of melancholy story. A memory palace? Which is a podcast. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, it's basically... The Eiffel Tower was created for the Paris, I think, World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big hit because like, look at this amazing marvel of industry, the Eiffel Tower, it's so tall. Yep. And that then for the subsequent one, I can't remember where it was, I think it was in the US somewhere, they were like, oh, how are we going to one-up the Eiffel Tower? I know. What about something that's tall and cool and moves? So they built the Ferris wheel. And for a time, the Ferris wheel was like this big attraction because mm. it was like, oh, this tower, it moves. And, now- and then over time... Interest in the Ferris wheel slowly waned, and then the podcast goes into like detail about how eventually it was shut down and scrapped, and but then the Ferris wheel became a fixture at carnivals the world over. Huh. It's kind of a sad, sweet story. Yeah. So now wherever you go, you expect a Ferris wheel, even though no one's really interested in it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, think about: it. Have you ever seen someone ride a Ferris wheel? Yeah. Okay. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one um, that sometimes pops up in Frio. Yeah, and also one in the cultural centre occasionally. Yeah. And sometimes people go on it. Very few, <laughs> mind you, but sometimes... And are they really people? I am not at liberty to discuss that. <laughs> Anywho, uh, all these balloons float towards the Ferris wheel. And Ooh. one of them has a little card on the string. Ooh, it looks like a tarot card. It looks exactly like the same deck of tarot cards that we've seen over and over again, but usually in a sort of abstract form. Ah, oh, how nice. Yeah. Yeah. What's on the back of the card? Why, it's... <gasps> the death card. What? what? That's bad, I guess. Sure, I'm willing to believe it. Let's do tarot time now, since sure. we've, we've got our card. Death is the... Yes. Yes, it's 13th. Death is that. the 13th card of the major arcana of the tarot. I knew that. Incidentally, the stand in this uh, arc's name is Death 13. <laughs> <laughs> that was my... I got something right. It signifies uh, ending, uh, going through transition, eliminating excess, and experiencing inexorable forces. So inexorable. Yes, Jesus. that's our word of the day. Ding 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 Are ding you, ding. Well, for example, an example of an inexorable force mm-hmm. is the steam that will build up in a uh, steamship's engine when you stop the crankshaft through mm. a zombie, if you recall. Ah. Dio informed us that the pressure would build up inexorably. Ah, I see. It all comes full Dio. Leading inevitably to explosion. Ah, of course, of course. Death is opposed by the fool, signifying a beginning, the empress, signifying birth, Mm -hmm. and judgment, which signifies rebirth or a fresh start. There's only one of those things that we haven't encountered yet. Judgment. Hmm, judgment. Okay. It's reinforced by the tower, signifying sweeping impact... And powerful forces. Tower of Grey. Tower of Grey. Death! A powerful energy indeed. Who can look at the dark skeletal figure on card 13 and not feel uneasy? Here we see the face of our deepest fear, our greatest unknown. We recoil from death because we think of it as annihilation. In the tarot, and in the life I would suggest, death is not a permanent end, but a transition into a new state. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. Sure. Let's roll with reincarnation. Life is eternal in its essence. To grow, to move, to live, we must die to the old to give birth to the new. Yep. Sure, that's like plants, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. It's like fertilizer. Yeah. It is a truism in tarot work that card 13 rarely has anything to do with our phys- with physical death. Oh. Our responsible card reader that never interprets this card in the way because the view is too limiting. <laughs> it's not something that happens once to our bodies. It happens continually. On a cellular level, maybe. Yeah, literally, you just lose hair. 
and you know your cells die and they're replaced by new cells, right? That's the thing. I think so. Yeah. I think a- anecdotally, I've heard that it's either like three months or seven years, um, and whatever that increment of time is, is the period in which. You become a completely new human being. On a cellular level. Yeah, I think it's seven years yeah. you have regenerated every cell in your body. So, you seven years ago, not the same person as you now. Thank God! Whew. In readings, death often represents an important ending that will initiate great change. It signals the end of an era, a moment when a door is closing. At such times, there may be sadness and reluctance, but also relief and a sense of completion. Or is just getting down to basics? Getting down to basics? Yeah. This card reminds you to cut out the unnecessary. Death can also mean you'll experience an inexorable force. Ooh, inexorably. <laughs> yeah, that's our word of the day. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, basically that's it. Not really a whole lot that links in with the uh, the power of the card <laughs> in this episode. Not yet. Although I guess there is something to be said of death also signifying new beginnings and that our user is a baby. Spoiler alert. We'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose it's more like... The idea of, oh yeah, we're going to shed off the old in favour of the new. Yeah. In the sense that we're going to murder you in your dreams. And also I'm a baby. And also I'm a baby. Feed me. Seymour. Anyway, um, so he's looking at this card and he's like, oh no, death. That's bad. Yeah. And then he's looking at the card and on the wrists of the figure mm. on, on the card, which is like a little like clownish Grim Reaper. Yeah. Sort of green goo starts leaking out. And he's like, that's weird. The card's moving. That is weird. And then... Powerful arms and a scythe emerge from the card and stick that scythe right into the head of a dog. <gasps> My god. So that, that poor dog died in the dream. And as we all know... How many is that now? Okay. I think it might be five and a half. Let's, I, let's, I'm let's take like inventory. Okay. okay. Dead dog count. Here we go. Uh, Danny. Danny. Uh, puppy in Ogre Street. Okay. Uh, half mark for man with face of dog. Yep. Um, dog eaten by yellow temperance. Yep. That's three and a half. Uh, this, this one, of course, which is four and a half. Yep. There's got to be one more. There's got to be one more. Oh, and the dog that died in uh, Justice. Wait, there was a dog. Remember they passed it impaled on ah, outside the town yes, and then course. they saw it walking? Yes. Yes. Yep. That's five and a half dead dogs. Five uh, and a half. Uh, uh. <laughs> Thanks, Count. <laughs> is what I'm here for. Uh-huh. Now let us go kill some more dogs. <laughs> Yes, quite. There's nothing better than increasing numbers. So that's sad, because as we all know, when you die in a dream, you die in real life. Ah, I knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Before we even started this episode, you were like, Nick, you do realise we need to make this joke. It's just one of those classic Freddy Krueger situations, (sighs) which I think is probably another one of our horror influences It has to be. It has to be. You know a heck of a lot about the Krugs? I do. So Freddy Krueger... This is the Nightmare on Elm Street series of films. So Freddy Krueger was introduced in the first Nightmare on Elm Street as uh, a crazy lunatic man. If I recall correctly, he was some sort of child abuser. Yes. uh, And they put him in a furnace. Yes. Because he escaped justice on a technicality. I think... At some point, it's revealed that they had some sort of confessional warrant for his arrest or something, and someone forgot to sign it in the right place, rendering it invalid, so he went went free. Yeah, it's something, like, really weird, really dumb. Deprived of justice, the town's parents turned to vigilante justice. Yeah, homemade bluegrass American justice. (laughs) So they put him in a furnace, uh, and then he was like... That was bad for his health. Yeah, and he was like, fuck you, I'll haunt your dreams. And they were like, yeah. Yeah, right. Good taunt, bozo. Who's going to haunt our dreams? So they didn't haunt their dreams. He haunted the dreams of their kids. Yes, including Johnny Depp, 
We don't talk about Johnny Depp anymore. Alas. Uh, and some other kids who died. And then also, they beat him up in their own dreams and then won. Yes. So, the moral of the story is, just don't battle people in dreams because you're going to lose. Yeah, it's like their home... T- it's the most home turf yeah. they could have. It's literally the home territory. That's as far as it goes. If there's any other home territory, I'd be amazed to see it. Maybe, for example, what the lovers did, which was physically inside yeah. your brain, but not mentally inside your mind. Perhaps, yes. And literally just eating away at your brain. <laughs> so what you need to do is do those two things at the same time. Then you're attacking on both fronts in a pincer movement. The Blitzkrieg is strong in this one. <laughs> yeah, so he basically uses, like... Uh, scissor hands kind of things. Yep. So he's Freddy got... scissor hands. Yeah, so imagine they're like, them like knife glove. Yeah, they're knife gloves. Uh, and you can imagine them like scythes in a sense. There is actually an, an actually excellent similar product used for pruning hedges. There is, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he the basically... creepiest gardening product around. <laughs> so he basically uses those to like you know murder you. Yeah, murder you. And also various like ironic dream visionary. Yeah. He's also very funny. He, he has a lot of one-liners. Yeah, he says bitch a lot, <laughs> which, oh. as we all know, is hilarious. Oh, it can be. There's a quite a funny Flophouse bit where they um they do an impression of Freddy um, being called into HR in the dream murderer job, that, and where the HR guy is Freddy. We're getting a lot of complaints that you've been saying bitch to the clients a lot. Go listen to that. It's quite funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so he basically eats people's dreams and murders them in their sleep. So then they die in their sleep. We're going to steal that joke as much as we can. I'm going to allow it this time just because it's... Context. Bit, context appropriate. Yeah. But we really must stop returning to the m- stolen Mubin Mam joke well. I like how you say we as if you've ever done it. I mean, I introduced you to it. Excellent. <laughs> so we're in the dream and he's killed this dog. And he's like, now I'm going to kill you, Kakuin. What? And he's swinging the scythe at him. And then Polarev shakes Kakuin awake. Hey. Hey. Bozo. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. Wake the hell up. He says, stop freaking out and shaking the bed like you're in The Exorcist. You scared the crap out of me. That's two horror references so far, people. Dun, dun. Two. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. So Polarev is fully dressed and ready for action. And he's like, once we eat, we're flying out of here. It's going to be a hot day again today. Kakuin is a bit perturbed by his terrifying dream. He's like, I had this dream. It was terrifying. Polarev is immediately interested, like, ooh, Dish, tell me what your dream was about. He's like, I, I can't I bet remember. Polar F is really into dream interpretation. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who's a little bit spiritual. Yeah. But not he's not religious, but he's spiritual. You know, just to get the girl. That's the point of it. <laughs> just to be like, hey girl, do you want to maybe, you know, rekindle some... It must be loves? very interesting having any sort of belief in a world where, for example, psychic manifestations of fighting spirit and also vampires are real yeah although surely that would make spirituality even more real yeah it'd be a really very very interesting world to maintain a system of beliefs in Mm. though i suppose most people don't know about it but yeah it's just espn espn yep sure (laughs) espn coming soon to a cable network near you psychic powers (laughs) the best spawn in the world uh he's like i can't remember what the dream was I remember it was terrifying, and you saved me when you woke me up. And Pony was basically like, yeah, whatever, weirdo, we're leaving soon. So he opens up this window. It's bright outside. And there's this uh, Cessna on the runway. Yeah. Outside. And they go outside to get there. They're leaving the Hotel Yarpline in Yarpline Village. Mm -hmm. And Kakuin notices he has a cut hand. Ooh. Well, that's curious. 
I wonder how Must that have hurt himself when he was sleeping somehow. Whoopsie daisy. And then they're outside and then this kid is like, my dog! No! And there's quite a gruesomely murdered dog just outside. Looks like he's had a scythe implanted like, into his head. It looks like it has the exact same wounds as the dog in the dream. Huh. And Kakuwen is like, hmm, I could have sworn I saw a dead dog not too long ago. And, then Paul and I will point like, out that outside of the dream, he did see a dead dog not too long ago when they fought justice. That is true. They did see a dead dog. Very similar looking to this one, actually. No, completely different. In the that sense one, it was That dead. one was white and had a doofy face. Oh, yeah, but it was and also... this one was brown and adorable. Yeah, but it was dead. Undead, you might say. Ooh. I take it back. My friend Bradley was recently watching some videos of someone analysing how, like, various medieval weapons that you see in fiction would actually be applied in real life. Mm. And this guy just kept really stressing that a scythe is not a viable weapon in any regard. <laughs> it's basically only good if you want to attack the ankles of someone right in front of you. <laughs> so you're just like, and now the greatest fighting manoeuvre of all. Yeah. You yeah. can't walk. <laughs> and to be fair. I mean, it would be good if it would work, but I fully imagine it would get like... Two metres away from the opponent, and they'd be like, well, I'll just jump when I attack him. <laughs> like That'll teach him. Yeah. Jump kick. So there's this Cessna. Small plane. Very small. And uh, Joseph is like, hey, 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 hold on, mister. What do you mean you can't sell us the plane? Last night you said you would, and you took my money. That was last night, you idiot. I'll give you your money back, but you can't have the plane. You s- the baby's sick, you see. The baby? The baby. And thus... A lovely woman brings out a small child. It's got a 39 degree fever. They need to get it to a doctor. Oh no. It's a high fever. And I thought this baby had an extraordinarily large forehead. But I contend that babies just have big heads. I don't think that's true, but okay. Well, we d- at- when we were having this discussion, <laughs> the video had frozen and we had not yet learnt that the baby was an evil genius. Yes. So I was also trying to throw you off the scent of it. Oh. But I think the fact that the baby's head is quite large is probably also a fact... Reflection on the fact that he's a genius. But also babies do just have disproportionately big heads. No, they don't have massive heads. They have, like, small heads. They don't because you have to cradle the baby's head when you hold them. Otherwise it strains its neck because they don't have the neck muscles to hold up their disproportionately big heads. But that's a neck muscle. That's not a head. And they don't have the neck muscles (laughs) is what I'm saying. Liam might kill me by the end of this episode. Well, you might kill me by the end of every episode. And, yeah, the, the guy's like, and there's only one working plane on hand because that one's broken and the rest are all out being used. So what do you want from us, old man? We don't, you don't want this baby to die, do you? And Joseph is like, no, but we're trying to save someone's life too. Yeah, but do you want to sacrifice a baby for that? It's like, well, well, no, but... Uh, I mean, on the one this hand... This is a real Sophie's choice. Uh, and then the baby does an evil vampire grin. And Kakuin notices, I think. Yeah. It's all like, what the... Did that baby have teeth? I heard it. I remember hearing a baby cry recently. <laughs> and that baby had teeth. It's got creepy sharp like teeth. vampire teeth. Yeah. The incisors are perfectly sharpened. So Joseph is still arguing. This goes on for a bit. It would be dangerous for a baby to come with us. What if a stand user attacks us? And also, it's weird to just give a baby to four grown men you've never met, right? Five. Four? Four. Four. Five. Four. Joseph. Jotaro. Polnareff. Kakuin. But he's going to show up later. He's dead. He's not dead. He's dead. He's not dead, my lord. He got shot in the head. He may have gotten shot. By a gun. And whole horse got shot in the head by a gun. And look at him now. He's alive. Oh, yeah. This only proves my theory even more. He also got stabbed in the back. Oh, my God. Perhaps there is no death for Avdol or whole horse. They are one and the same. That's dumb. That is dumb, but it's what I'm going with so far. 
So long, the long and short of it is this woman is like, okay, why didn't you take the baby in the plane? That's a good compromise. To to where with these complete strangers? Hospital. To, to, to what? How will we know? What? How? Okay. So they're like, okay, this is good. Let's do this. No one would send their stand after us in this plane, and we made sure the plane wasn't a stand because that's happened before. Sure. And JoJo was like, really, I'm more worried about Joseph's flying than <laughs> stand uses. <laughs> Fucking savage bird. Keeps just sick burning his grandpa in this episode. For the last like three episodes, I feel like JoJo's been really He's really harsh. turned on Joseph. Yeah. He just wants to look cool in front of his new adult friends <laughs> by being like, yeah, I'm not a mummy's boy. <laughs> I love my mother, but so does Kakuin, so what's wrong with that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They take off, and then as they take off, the woman... Who brought out the baby. Yeah, she's like, ooh, that was a relief. I wonder whose baby that was. And everyone's like, what? It wasn't yours? No, I just had this feeling that I should bring it to you. She said she found the baby by the well, Mm. and its voice made her dizzy and made her think she should put it on the plane. That's weird, right? That is very That's bizarre. certifiably weird. Did that the baby, is... like, in- invade her dreams and incept the idea into her I or something? I want to think that's what happened, but it wasn't part of the thing, which we'll find out later, it wasn't part of the thing that he- they don't remember the dream. Yeah, but, you know, Kakuin also had sort of weird deja vu on seeing the dog and that's hearing true. the baby voice. That's true. So maybe he went into her dreams and gave her a terrifying vision and was like, put the baby on the plane. How terrifying. <laughs> While, you know, being a murder clown, waving a scythe around. <laughs> true, true, yeah. At the same time, though, take me to your plane. <laughs> so, from this woman's perspective, mm-hmm. she's found a mysterious baby, yep. taken it, uh-huh. and been like, oh, it's sick. Better put it on the plane as far away from here and its mother as I can get it. Yep. I mean, that seems normal, but, you know. That's what you do, right? Yeah, when you're psychotic. <laughs> it's a classic baby's day out situation. Gets on the plane, it's just like, yeah, today's going to be a good day. It's gonna, all going to end with Kakuin battling the baby on a construction site as as the other three bumbling guys try to catch it. <laughs> it's just going to somehow start piloting the plane and the other four will be at the back going, what? But how did the plane know how to pilot the plane? Now this is kind of a baby's day out scenario, but what I have to wonder is, seeing as this baby is a genius as we learn. Yes. Is this also kind of a baby genius's situation? Is it capable of speech? It has to be. Like, could babies and baby geniuses talk? I know they could talk in Look Who's Talking Now. I don't know. Look Who's Talking. I never watched it. Okay, these are bad movies. Oh, excellent. I'm glad I avoided them. They're on the plane. Let's take a little nap. Polar F is like, being on planes always makes me sleepy. Gonna take a little nap. And Polar uh, Kakuin also dozes off. Uh, Joseph is like, fine, you have your nap. Okay. I'll fly the plane. He puts on some cool aviators. <laughs> I just love the passive aggressive. Yeah, sure, you go to sleep. I'll fly the plane, shall I? You yeah. Know? Jerks. Yeah, the only one here certified to fly a goddamn plane will fly the plane. What the hell is wrong with you guys? Jojo raises his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, it's uh, Jojo and Joseph in the front with Joseph in the pilot seat and Kakuin and Polareff in the back and the baby is on the floor in front of them. Yep, just kind of in the middle. In a basket. Yep. They both wake up in the same dream Ferris wheel. Huh. Kakuin immediately remembers everything that happened last time he fell asleep. He's like, like this is bad. Hey, hang on, there's that dog. We're in some sort of Freddy Krueger scenario. This this isn't what I wanted to be in at all. This is quite the opposite. Polareff is being an idiot? <laughs> that seems fair to say? <laughs> yes, I think so as well. Oh, we're inside a dream. Oh, if it's just a dream, then a dead dog isn't scary. Dreams are only scary because you think they are. And then Kakuin's like, no, you need to listen to me properly. Like, this is a murder dream. 
Oh, don't worry, it'll be fun. And, and then gets... the screen blinks and he's got popcorn and an ice cream. It's like, see, everything's Whoa, fine. this is convenient and lucky. <laughs> Which is now my favourite thing that has been said on this show. Yeah. This is convenient and lucky. Parentheses, that I have ice cream and popcorn now. <laughs> Oh man. I wonder what was going through their heads when they thought, okay, we need to select the right lines for this episode. We have to keep that chapter. one. Or oh, this chapter, yeah. sorry. We have to keep this one because that's amazing. Because it is convenient and lucky. It is. It is the most succinct possible way you could describe the situation. <laughs> that's what I said last time I got some surprise food. Oh man, this is convenient and lucky. What is it? It's worms. Oh. Well, he doesn't know that yet. Or a slash, it isn't yet. Oh. Ominous. Uh, basically, Death 13 shows up. Polar oh. F still doesn't get it. He's oh, like, that's right. A speaker emerges from the dog's head. Hey, bozos, you idiots. Lally ho, talk about a big idiot. And then... So, um, yeah, Death 13 keeps talk, saying this phrase, lally ho. Lally ho. You were curious about it. It's just like a general exclamation it makes. Is it? Because it sounds... Well, I mean, the way it's, it's speaking, right? It, yeah. It goes like, lally ho. Yeah, but like, where's it come from? Well. Oh, here we go. Lally Ho is the original name of the sleep spell in the Dragon Quest series of video games. Okay. Sleep spell, dream murderer, there's a through line there. Yep. And also, the phrase itself is, uh, uh, this is all according to Jojo Wiki, Uh a reference to the battle cry of the impossibles. They would say, Rally Ho, as they were speaking into action. And then there's that whole Japanese thing with L's and R's. Yeah, gotcha. The Impossibles is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon Mm -hmm. about a trio of rock stars slash superheroes. Uh, okay, you have my attention. There was like multi-man, gas man, and someone else. <laughs> multi-man? He could multi-man himself. Oh, as in like he could clone himself? I assume so. I've never watched it. I was just saying like multi-man. He can do a number of things. Just <laughs> he can like, multitask. Just like most people. <laughs> I'm using my multi-man powers to cook this spaghetti while also keeping track of the kids. Oh no. I was less efficient at doing both tasks by about 40%. Now the kids are dead and I've slopped spaghetti sauce all over my white blouse. Oh, no. We kept getting an ad today about uh, for meals to order where a woman would grab a pot of sauce and slop it all down herself. And then it would be like, there's got to be a better way. No, isn't it? You deserve better. That's right. You deserve... It was literally filled to the brim of sauce. How she got it onto the stove is a mystery. (laughs) And then she just picks it up. Without any care in the world, there's a sauce oh. all over me. Oh no! Scrambled eggs all over my face. Oh, then oh, <laughs> I deserve better. Meals on demand. Ugh. The speaker is coming out of the dog's head. It's kind of disturbing. It's like slowly. It's like a megaphone pushing. speaker. Yeah, it's kind of pushing its way out as well. So it's got little bits of dog on it. Yeah, gross. Right. And then Polnareff looks up and the ice cream cone that he's holding above his head has turned into an ice cream cone full of worms. Spooks. So, yeah, it's it's spooky. Everyone's terrified. Polnareff still doesn't really get it. He's like, oh, you had a dream about stands. You need to relax. I think at that point, Kankuin smashes his hand against, like, the... Uh, the frame of the... The frame of the cart. And just goes, you dense motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. It must be hard being one of the more sensible people in the group. <laughs> Having to contend with Polnareff. Yeah. Oh, man, just And chill. Joseph. And Joseph. It's like, just chill. Everything's going to be probably fine. why he gets along the best with Jotaro. <laughs> Because, because Jodoro's like, hang on. He's hang he's on. he's another mostly sensible. Well, I don't think he's mostly sensible. I think he's just less willing to... I mean, to the fact that he's a crazy. straight man is goes a long way. Yeah, that is true. He's just completely like, hey, I like this. Yeah. And Kakumi's like, how very sensibly put of you. <laughs> so the killer clown, Grim Reaper, 
Death 13 shows up <laughs> and is like, I'm going to murder you guys. I'm going to put my scythe in Polarev's mouth. And then make him uh, laugh. What? Well, I mean, you know, it would be a great way to die, wouldn't it? Make them laugh, make them laugh. Cut their heads right in twain. They both try and pull out their stands to get into a good old-fashioned stand battle, but they can't. What? It's a dream! And he controls the dream. Ooh. So you can't call out your stands while you're in there. And then he starts talking about how wouldn't it be romantic to die in a dream, lally ho. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, in reality... Yep. Oh, I think we have a break here with, like, the stand card and stand user, question mark, question mark, question mark. Literally everything is question marks yeah. on this one. Even really though we've weird. seen the stand, which is unusual. Yeah, strange. Back in reality, uh, Joe Tur- uh, Polar F and Kakuin are sleeping in the back and they have some serious sleep sweat going on. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, in the front seats, uh, Joseph is like, do you feel that, Jotaro? And Jotaro's like, yeah, I do. And you thought they were having some sort of stand sense. Yeah, I, I literally went, hang the fuck on. And that's sort of the deliberate fake out they're going for here. Yeah, I was like, but that, wait, they can just tell, I suppose they can tell what the plane was. <laughs> because the because we cut back to the dream and they're still freaking out about, about how they're going to get murdered for a sec. Yeah. And then we cut back and just as Polarif was going to get murdered, he fades out of the dream because the other guys woke him up because they were like, hey Polarif, the baby peed himself and you change his diaper. Oh, I feel like I just had a terrifying dream. But I can't remember it. Huh. Well, alright, I'll change this diaper then. Back in the dream, Death 13 is like, Well, Polarif's awake, I'll get him later. I'll kill you now, Kakuin. And Kakuin's like, shit. Shit. Speaking of shit... <laughs> so, Polarif's having a bad time with this baby. He's like, the baby's crapped in his diaper. And Joseph says, well, he's a baby, that's why he wears them. And Polarif says, I had no idea. What a vile creature. How old is Polarif? I think he's in his early 20s. Okay, okay. So, let's talk about the French education system. Yes. Um, How did you not fucking know that babies shit themselves in diapers? And that that's what diapers are for. How did you not know the express purpose of the diaper? What's wrong with you, Polarif? Are you some kind of dense... You'll never be a parent at this rate. Uh, I think we kind of expected it since he was so dense, but you know. (laughs) But anyway, he changes the diaper on the baby. Very crudely, might I add. He says, aren't you embarrassed? Hurry up and grow into an adult already. (laughs) And then he's like, is this all right? And he's very crudely folded it. And he's holding it upside down, which you shouldn't do. Well, I mean, he has a big head. Reminds me of this joke from um, the Lane and Woodley TV show in the episode where they accidentally steal a baby. (laughs) And uh, Frank is changing its diaper and he holds it up by one leg and is like, look, I changed its diaper. Is that okay? (laughs) And then Carl is like, Frank, what are you doing? It's two hands for beginners, and tells him to hold onto the other leg too. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Mm. Good show. Ah, uh, so they're they're slowly trying to pin the diaper on the baby, and then Kakuin starts freaking the fuck out. Because meanwhile, back in the dream, a lot has happened. Kakuin has been he's had half his face merged with the frame with the frame of the. Ferris wheel. He's been sort of bound into it by rope as well. And at a certain point, Death 13 grabbed his face and then started, like, crying eyeballs into his mouth. Well, I mean, you know, to shut him up. Yeah. It's a classic play. Eat the eyeballs, Kakuin. <laughs> eat the eyeballs. Come on, I don't want to eat the eyeballs. Just eat the eyeballs. It's not that hard. <laughs> so he's in a bad situation. Like, pretty bad. Yeah. At a certain point, one of these, or some of these eyeballs turn into, like, weird spider things to and crawl over him and back into his mouth. I mean, it's it's not good. He's not having a fun time. I can think of better dreams to have. Several circumstances, <laughs> yeah. that'd be better. Now, he's freaking out outside the dream. Yeah, he's which, freaking out. Which causes him to kick Joseph in the back. In the face. In the face. So Joseph, being the pilot, 
is knocked forward onto the controls and the plane spirals down out of control. <gasps> and then Jotaro calmly sits down and goes, come on, old man, get get together. Come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Polnareff, not much is happening with Polnareff, but Jotaro's like, come on, old man, is this how we die? They're all like, they're like quick, get, Polnareff, get Kakuin under control. He was doing this early this morning too. Uh... And Jotaro's just, come on. Meanwhile, in the dream, Kakuin hatches a, pl- a cunning plan. <gasps> it pulls out a knife. Mm-hmm. And starts cutting himself. Okay, that's not a plan. Well, isn't it though? Because Death 13 thinks that his cunning plan is to hurt himself and wake himself up so he cannot die. But he controls the dream space and he's not going to let that happen. But for reasons that we aren't clear on, he just keeps cutting into his wrist with this knife. There's a lot of blood, but it's better than having your head cut off with a scythe. But doesn't he know that he won't wake up? Then why would he- why would he do this? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? We'll find out later. Joseph uses Hermit Purple to get control of the plane in a really cool way and pull them out of their death spiral. Literally implant <laughs> the little thorn vines into integrated circuits. Just to get better, like, traction on the on the steer shaft, steering shaft or whatever you call it on the plane. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. I like it. It pulls them out of their, their nosedive and he's like, yes, I did it. And he's looking back to like, congratulations. And Joseph is... Uh, Jojo basically just goes, oi. And he looks forward and is like, oh no, why would there be palm trees in the middle of the desert like this? And then right as they crash, we get a shot of Joseph going, ah! Yeah, and a shot of Jojo saying, uh... So this is where we die. No, <laughs> he says, good grief. Or, yari, yari, yari. So this is actually happening. And then we zoom out. He knew this would happen. We zoom out really far on as a map. That, yeah, and we just see a big X with crash written on it. We also get a very brief shot of the crash jolting Kakuin awake. Yep. Moments before he was going to be murdered by a baby. Very well done. Very well done, guys. We crashed the plane. Insomnia reversed. That's not going to be good for their timeline. Oh, no. Oh, no. They've only got, what, like 10 days left? So they, we cut to night time. They've made a, a rudimentary campsite around their crashed plane. Mm-hmm. As you noted, this looks familiar. It does look familiar. Another scene from the OP. Mm. It's as though they took it from the show... And oh, used it in the I know, I know. Who would have thought? Mm. Sidebar two, we should address it, the fact that this baby's name is Manish Boy. Okay, when was it ever said that his name it was... It was not. This is another art book thing. Oh, okay, all right. Manish Boy, of course, being a song by Muddy Waters, the, I think, blues musician. Sure, let's roll with blues. R&B, blues sort of thing, yeah. My dad listened to a lot of Muddy Waters when I was a kid. He had some records. Mm. Not really my sort of thing. A lot of harmonica. A lot of singing. Yeah, I've never, I don't know if I've ever heard the song, but that's what it is. A lot of good time feelings. Oh, I just realised also when we were doing our tarot time, mm. um, that was is usually when we do our Jojo Vele note. Oh. But since the sound had been formally introduced at the time, I didn't. But while we're taking this little sidebar, let's learn about Death 13. <clears throat> One way to make a story interesting is the mystery behind trying to find who the enemy is. So here we have a world within a baby's dream. Is that it? The stand's design uses a Venetian carnival mask. Okay, is that it? That's it. That's it. Yep. That's the whole inspiration for... Wow. I mean, good. I mean, the baby is not the one you would initially turn to. That is true, you wouldn't. But at the same time... While they're crashing, the baby makes a ref... Oh, Death 13, rather. Makes a reference to the fact that with all your thrashing, if you're not careful, you might kill my user. True. And that's when Kakuin realises and starts cutting himself. Yes. Having cut himself and also crashed the plane, <laughs> Kakuin is a bit out of sorts on the edge of the campsite. He's a bit, uh... I had another terrifying dream. He's a bit sleepy. Ah, uh, yeah, I feel like I haven't been rested at all. 
as though Joseph I... thinks he's just tired. He says it's been about a month since we left Japan and the enemy's been attacking nonstop, which means they have about twenty days left. <gasps> give, or is... t- give or take. Okay, well that in JoJo terms is kind of like saying we have thirty episodes. Assuming or three it has seasons. been roughly a month, that is over that is over half their time gone though. It is, yeah. Which is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Mm. That they've been attacked how many times? Nineteen? No. Fifteen? Probably about yeah, twelve to fifteen, I'd say probably yeah, fifteen times. That's half the time they've been traveling. They've been attacked. I mean, yeah, it gets a bit muddy when you include the fact that say whole horse attacked with, along with hang, 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 the hanged man. Yeah, and, I guess. Yeah, yeah. all right. And then also he was there for Enya. Yeah, that is true. And yeah, it's all very muddy. Waters. Hey, managed boy. Nice. He's here to kill us. He's here to eat our dreams. For some reason, I had Oliver stuck in my head of. Can I eat your dreams, my lord? Please, my lord. Can I eat your dreams? Please, sir. Eat your dreams for a shilling. I'm so hungry, I just need dreams. I'm like a drowsy. I use hypnosis, then dream eater. Anywho, <laughs> Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Joseph goes and plays peekaboo with the baby. And he's like, peekaboo, peekaboo. And the baby laughs. You know, it's it's, it's a baby. standard baby stuff. It's, you know. Polaref stands to the side and he says, What's so funny about that? It's not even a joke or anything. <laughs> Idiot. God, hurry up and grow I up. I love Polnareff's disdain for babies. I really hope this That's comes not up even it. funny, you dumb baby. You stupid clod. You fucking... I don't even know if that's offensive to anyone. <laughs> we cut from a shot of the baby looking innocent to its internal monologue and it takes on a more sinister appearance. I'm getting tired of humouring him too, this shithead. <laughs> it's very much like the Enya sort of thing. like, ah, I'm so sorry. I will murder you. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they decide they should radio for help. Dio might find them if they do that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't really have much of a choice being no. stranded in the middle of They the might desert. end up in a classic Flight of the Phoenix situation. Ah, of course, of course. Again, on the outskirts of the camp, Kakuin realises that he's bleeding. Did he cut himself in the crash? Better, better take a look at this wound to make sure it's not too bad. And in it, he sees the letters. <gasps> Baby, stand. <gasps> what? What could it mean? What could this cryptic wound on his arm mean? It's in his handwriting. Now, when I saw that, I immediately went, okay, hang on. You wrote into it with a knife. It looks like jagged lines. Yeah. And yet it's your handwriting? Maybe he just has, like, really bad chicken scroll. But we've seen his handwriting in the, um, the ledger for the hotel. No, that was Jodoro's. But didn't we see Kakuin's signature? Oh, I didn't pay that? attention to that. Oh, anyway. Maybe he, we know he's arty. We um, do know he's quite arty. From his introduction arc. Oh my. Maybe he's done, like, some, some wood carving. <laughs> Yes, he's done some wood carving, which means that this... it would be closer to penmanship in terms of recognizing your own. But you saw style. it. It wasn't very good. It <laughs> was just like maybe he's not very uh, good at wood carving. Maybe he's not very good at flesh carving. There's no blood on my knife, but it was clearly done with this blade. Did I forget something important? Like a dream? And then he looks over, and the baby is standing up in its basket, glaring at him. <laughs> as soon as our eyes met, he looked away consciously. What does that mean? Baby, stand. And then he picks him up. He runs over the baby and picks him up by his collar. By the scruff. The front of the scruff. Like a very Joseph Joestar kind of like, you there. Yeah, but with one hand because it's the baby. Yeah. I just love how vigorously he's like, hold the fuck up. Is this baby a stand user? Better beat it out of him. (laughs) Hey, hey, Kakui, what the hell are you doing? Says Joseph. Yeah, you could strangle him. What's wrong with you? Hey, come here, baby. I'll feed him. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, over at the wreckage of the plane, Polnareff uh, elbows Jodoro and was like, hey, looks like Kakuin's really losing it. What an idiot. Yeah. The baby laughs evilly to be continued. Dun dun dun! What? Good app. 
Walk like an Egyptian. The Bengals. 19 something something. 80 something. We did research. Nick, highlights and lowlights for this episode. Okay, okay. Highlight, definitely, 100%, has to be something that I need to think of very quickly. Mm. Um, I can go first if you're trying to think. Do it, for God's sake. Okay, uh, I actually really like uh, Polar F's idiotic refusal to acknowledge that there's something sinister going on in this dream. <laughs> Just him being like, oh, don't worry, everything's fine. It's- I love dreams. It's I guess it's kind of weird that we're having the same dream, but that's a dream. They're weird. You. Hey, this is convenient and lucky. I love that Kakuin's so frustrated by it, where he's just like, you can you like bastard. just look at me and listen to what I'm saying, please. I okay, I have to say my favorite bit is the point where Kakuin genuinely starts to consider if I kill this baby, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. <laughs> so like when he picks him up by the scruff and you realise he's pieced it together. At this very moment in time, he is considering murdering a baby. <laughs> That's a good moment. Okay. Yeah. Low lights. The fact that we're considering murdering a baby. <laughs> no, actually, no, it's not too bad. Um, low light would probably have to be the very convenient timing in every single dream sequence. Because, you know, it's like, okay, I get to kill you, Kakuin, and then he wakes up. And right, like, okay. And now I get to kill Polnareff. Shing! Wake up. All right, he's not dead. Well, now I get to kill you, Kakuin. I uh, wake up. I feel like at least with the um the crane, the plane crashing one, they did enough work setting up the, the, that. Yeah. But... Like the fact that he was thrashing around his sleep in sleeping at the start, yeah. and then the fact that his later thrashing caused mm. the plane to spiral. Yeah, but it's still one of those things where it's like every single time you have the climactic moment, and then it's just like anticlimactic. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, annoying. it's hard to get. Considering the whole conceit is that Death 13 is more or less all-powerful within exactly. the dream, yeah. it's hard to get out of it without compromising that conceit yeah. in a different way. And, like, there's no wounds beforehand except the cut on his hand. Mm. Like, Polnareff has no, like, wounds on him. He he wasn't really being... Like, he'd stuck the scythe in his mouth and he was about to, like, split his head in two, but he hadn't really done it yet. Yeah, but that's the problem. <laughs> because you would think, oh, why is my lip cut? Well, I think... Or something. I think you want to... If you're the baby, you want to do it in one fell swoop. Like that, mm, so that... No one would remember. Yeah, although I guess they would probably be a bit perturbed when Polnareff's head suddenly split in half in the <laughs> middle of the plane. <laughs> yeah, look, they'd probably get a bit suspicious. At one point he says, I think to Kakuin, that he's just going to reach in and crush his heart, so everyone just thinks he had a heart attack. Yeah. But considering what he was going to do to Polnareff, <laughs> that might have been a bit hasty. Mm, mm. But yeah. For, for my low light, I think I'm going to say... Hmm, tricky. I think it is a bit too silly that... No one knows where that baby came from, and they're like, we need to put the baby on the plane. Well, we just found it by a well. Why wouldn't It's we put... sick. We need to get it to the doctor. Yeah, why wouldn't you put it on a plane? Surely we wouldn't look for its mother. Or... Yeah, well, these four strangers that no one's actually ever seen before yeah. this day. Like, what? what's wrong with that? Their money's good, though. Yeah, so it's fine. It's all yeah. good. Capitalism at its finest. Colonialism. Give the local baby to the rich outsiders. Yeah, it'll be fine. They know the way to the hospital. It can be their manservant. Yeah. Their mannish boy servant. It's fine. It's all good. All good. Hey, Nick. What? What do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders, in the episode entitled uh-huh. Death 13 Part 2? Part 2? That equals 15. My God. <laughs> yes, Part 2 equal 15. 13 plus 2. Yeah, but it's Part 2. So surely it'd be take away. Anyway. Or divided anyway. into two subsections. Uh, okay. Okay. Alright. So, we're at this campsite. Yes. Everyone's going to go to sleep soon. That makes sense. It's night time. Now, Kakuin is on the ball. He hasn't quite put it all together yet, but he has his suspicions. He was tempted to murder a baby. 
at that point, you kind of start thinking... I think you are perhaps putting a, a bit too fine a point on... He, he was suspicious of the baby, and well, he was going to go, like, get up in its face to see if it cracked. Sure, but at the same time, there was a small point where oh, he so was babies like... babies are very fragile. They are very fragile. Well, maybe If you put them out in the sun, they'll disintegrate, like so many scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get rid of him. It's like, uh, he's here for training, to not disintegrate in the sun. Yeah, so... They all have to go to sleep. Including Kakuin. Or does he? Well, that's the question. Because now I'm thinking maybe he tries not to sleep as long as he can. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. And then bam, fall asleep. <laughs> uh, but he has to succumb. So then they'll all be stuck in the dream at some point. Okay. They're um, all on the run from the killer clown baby man. Exactly. But the question is, how will they go about, you know, either getting out of the dream or... Dying in real life. Yeah. So, I reckon... It's going to get to the point where all four are in the dream. Yep. And then they're going to have a moment of, oh, but hang on a minute, I set my alarm clock, you silly oaf. Kakuin's alarm goes off, they all wake up. But then they don't have any memory. But maybe this time he could etch a message on Polnareff's back. <laughs> like this giant message or something. Uh, but then they would see that was in his penmanship and think that he had attacked Polnareff. Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Either that or he just actually <clears throat> takes the time... While the other two are distracting the clan, just about hang on. So there was a, a theme near the end of the episode that the other guys were thinking Kakuin was starting to crack under the stress. Yes. How do you think that will come into the next episode? Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's either going to be uh, they keep going, Kakuin, you're so crazy. Or they get trapped in a dream and go, Kakuin wasn't crazy. Then wake up and go, what a bad dream. Kakuin, you're so crazy. Right. Uh, yeah. So Kakuin's probably going to seem mental to... It's going to be like... Um, when Joseph went on his own to do his own thing, when he had... Oh, yeah, the Empress. Yeah, the baby Buddha in his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be one of those, but with Kakuin instead. So it will affect the others, but Kakuin's going to be the Do you, think, do you think they will turn on him? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's going to be more along the lines of, Kakuin's gone crazy, we need to help him from himself. Or, beat, him, beat him up, quick. <laughs> or we could just, you know, leave him be and just... Like how, do you, how do you think they will ultimately deal with Manish Boy? As I remarked well, to you when we were watching it, being the fact that it's a baby, if they figured out that he was the stand user, they could just leave him. leave him somewhere and he would really not be able to pursue them at all. Yeah. But the question is, how far can the stand go? That's also a good question. And now that it's infected them, does it stay with them forever? Mm. Or? Mm, that is the question. Because it does seem quite powerful, being able to kill people in their dreams. And also that they... You know, when they wake up, they have no memory of the fact that it happened. Yeah. That's quite a good defense mechanism. So it's either going to be, it has a huge range and just running away from, and the baby will be like, you can't just run away from me. Mm. Don't go thinking that. Uh, or when this guy gets older and stops being such, such a dependent, he is going <laughs> to, he's going to be a fearsome stand user. He's going to be brutal. Uh, but he won't be able to get as close to them because he won't have his adorable looks. But he could just like buy a hotel room next to them and then they'd all wake up dead. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So, so he's a baby. He really likes clowns and stuff at the moment because babies are dumb. Yeah. Even though he's a genius. He is Do you think genius. as he ages, Death 13's appearance will like morph based on the things he's interested in? Into so Freddy like, Krueger. When he's an edgy teen, it'll be like Sephiroth, one-winged angel, Grim Reaper. <laughs> no, no. It'll be more like emo fringe, like rock band. They're just going to kill them through just beating them with a guitar. Cool. 
So well, not really, but yeah. Defeating Death Thirteen, Nick. I don't know. Okay. I actually don't know how they're going to beat Death Thirteen. I think it has to because be... they can't summon their stands in dreams. No, they can't. So it's either going to be like a Freddy Krueger kind of thing where they trap him in the dream in like right. a cage, use or their something. own like mental strength to get control of some aspect of the dream, exactly. and like make that into a stand. Or... Yeah, basically like Freddy Krueger style. Yeah, Dream or, Warriors. Or they just kill the baby, which would be <laughs> equally wicked. <laughs> I'd be so down for that. Okay. Just to close out the show, I'm going to give us the second half of that author's note. The second half? You know, from the next one. Oh. From volume 23. (laughs) Yes. AKA volume (laughs) 7. Adults have trouble respecting the young. If the head of state was a 20 years old man, everyone would make fun of him even if he was very competent. For the same reason, when I see a young mangaka being arrogant, I want to kick his ass. I know that's extreme and I regret having such an aggressive temperament. I will try to soften, to respect the young, to, and to accept, to learn from them. What if the whole point of this arc is to accept the baby for who he is? Sidebar, because we're talking about Freddy Krueger a fair bit this episode, mm. look at this photo attached to the volume 8 author's note in which Araki is sitting next to a child <laughs> wearing a Jason-like hockey mask <laughs> and holding a photo that looks not unlike Pepe the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> but is it not, of course. Okay, hang on. That's Araki, right? Yep. You can tell because he has never aged. Yep. That's Jason. <laughs> and that's... That is a serial killer. That's just straight up a serial killer. To the killer. right of Jason, who is, yeah. of course, also a serial killer. Yeah. Okay. Now, these are some legendary pictures. <laughs> yeah. Okay, folks, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks. Etc. Um, yeah. Hit us up if you want to correspond with us. We're at JoJo's Podcast on Twitter. Have a, have some casual conversations on that, and I appreciate everything that uh, people send me. It, you know, I'll probably like... If I... If I enjoy a thing but don't really have anything of value to, in, to respond to it, I usually just like it uh, because, you know, I like it. Hey. Uh, but, you know, I'll have a chat if something catches my eye. And if you want uh, more long-form correspondence, uh, hit us up at JoJo's Podcast on Gmail. And if you want to talk to me specifically, definitely go through the Gmail. Yeah. Because uh, I am not allowed to go on the Twitter. Until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued.